When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Thursday. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Uh, big thanks to the folks who uh, braved it, came down to Rosie's downtown yesterday, back there for Sparty. And still some hope with Nebraska basketball as Big Red able to notch win number 10, stay in the conversation <laughs> with uh, with postseason. Uh, we'll dive into Husker basketball. What's the status on one Eric Gilbert, uh, stud tight end from Georgia, trying to find his way to Lincoln. Reports are out that uh, he may be in. Uh, official announcement likely tomorrow. But uh, we'll get there as Nebraska looking to add to the transfer portal. Some news and notes around the college football world and NFL. The Sean Payton list of demands is uh, pretty impressive, quite frankly. So we'll get there. Numbers to get in today at Hale Varsity at 466-3776-4676-800-825-5865. can email the show Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Get a hold of us through the stream as you can watch the show, ESPN, Lincoln, and Facebook. Always find the Hale Varsity YouTube channel and can watch and follow along with the Hale Varsity Radio Twitter handle at HVarsityRadio. Catch Damon and Andrew weekday morning 7 to 9, coffee and cream. We're the bookend of it uh, here 4 to 6. Good to be with you. Pretty tough. Pretty tough going. Pretty tough watch. For Nebraska basketball in the first half, you knew that it was going to be, well, trying. It was going to be trying to get down to PBA. It was going to be trying to see what Nebraska's offense would be. And uh, Nebraska had a little bit of a new wrinkle with Tominaga getting the nod. Uh, I like that move. Tominaga didn't have the best shooting night, but I love his activity, movement without the basketball uh, he was key from distance a couple of different times, but more importantly, he's just so good uh, at getting and finishing at the rim. Nebraska able to survive and really thrive without Derek Walker. And yeah, I said that. Uh, you don't want to make a practice out of it. But uh, Walker, again, in foul trouble. Uh, you had the Boobirds come out because, again, you have some insane officiating with the. Uh, as one one person put it, they quote tweeted Sam McEwen's tweet of the the whistle on Tominaga, where he, he really he breathed on the guy. That's it. Didn't body him up. Didn't nudge him out of bounds. I mean, it was worse than uh, one of the soccer players who got hit by the sniper, right? 
and and somebody quote tweeted, I don't know if it was Goodman or not, a national ball, basketball writer, that was absolutely a, fra- a flagrant foul. It clearly wasn't. <laughs> but uh, the theme was survival, and Nebraska able to do that against Ohio State. The Buckeyes have lost five in a row. Ohio State's talented. They're good. They're just not gritty, right? They're, they're, they're young, uh, and if they choose to grow up, There'll be a problem here maybe towards the end of the season if they stick around maybe next season with their talent level. But they needed the whole dose of what Nebraska had, and that was uh, re- you know the, the refusal to, to, to concede. Also, Nebraska able to be better from downtown in the second half for a 7, a 42-point second half. Coach Hoiberg touched on that. But big uh, difference, obviously, Denim Dawson, right? Mm-hmm. The kid gets his, uh, you know, career-high playing time of, of 30 minutes, gets the start, seven points, eight rebounds, pure hustle after he gets mugged under the basket to sprint back down court, partially block a basket uh, on the other end for Ohio State, and Nebraska was able to close out and survive a, a desperation tying three. You saw that go down against Minnesota. The kid from Ohio State had a better look. You could argue it didn't drop, but hey, you'll take it, and good for Fred, good for Nebraska. And uh, listen, it's not going to be easy at Penn State. Penn State's at a 12 or 13 win number already. They're better than they've been. Northwestern has had some wow wins in league already. They've won at Michigan State. Uh, so uh, it's pretty important to, to keep some momentum. Listen, and Nebraska had to have this. We talked about it yesterday, and I believe it truth, truthfully that it was your fork in the road game, right? Do you lose a third game in a row, Purdue, Ohio State, Illinois, to, 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 to start that January to February slide? And unfortunately, as a Nebraska basketball fan, you've had way too many of those. Uh, throughout the last several years. Not just a Fred problem, not just a Timmy Miles problem, but a Nebraska problem. They got a win. They had to have. They found a way. And uh, this team's now got to handle success. Is Penn State beatable? Yeah. Is is Nebraska going to be able to find any offense? Don't know. It's going to be a fight all year long to get to 60, maybe 65. Can you keep people right around 60 points? Can you muster up enough offense to score 60 or a little bit better? And, Elijah, I think that's pretty much uh, the gist of it is Nebraska's 10-9, and but now three league wins, and they have some confidence. But they know who they are, and they're going to keep swinging at you. And the, the difference is, is they did it. Walker still had double digits. He's still their MVP. Greasel was 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 nice, obviously, but Nebraska did it and didn't fold or flail without Walker in there last night. They're able to put four consecutive buckets together. There's your difference. And then, of course, the Hoiberg technical got everybody fired up. Here's Fred on that tee last night. They were a lot more composed than I was in in that uh, in in that little sequence. But you know, I, I listen. I, I obviously don't lose my mind a lot, but. Uh, you know, I wanted to go out there and fight for them. And, you know, I've had times where I've tried to get technicals and they don't give them to me. So uh, tonight I, I went out and, um, you know, was was a little bit heated. And DJ gave me one from across the floor, probably well-deserved. But, you know, it did. It got the guys going, um, you know, got the crowd going. I was really pleased with the crowd. I mean, went out there early, looked a little bit like the Queens game. And then it just gradually kept filling in on a, on a really crappy night 
in Lincoln weather-wise. So, you know, thank the fans. They, they were a big factor, I thought, in helping us down the stretch. Uh, we were supposed to foul. Wilhelm tried to foul up three there in that last possession. Um, but, you know, we didn't, uh, didn't quite get it. So thankfully it worked out. So that was Fred. Fred, you just lose it whenever you want to, big fella. Because if I was on the sideline, if you were on the sideline, Elijah, you can only take so much incompetence. And it's a consistency thing. And part of that consistency definition doesn't need to be bad all the time. And it feels like there's been too many moments and too many games that involve Nebraska. I'm going to get my uh, towel and I'm going to tear up here in a moment. That Nebraska just has the somebody makes a bad call, period. I mean, thank God there's review under two minutes, right? How tight was that ball game with the tightrope dance that Greasel did on the saved ball? Guy's staring right at him and not looking at his feet, but says, oh, you're out of bounds. I mean, do your job. Absolutely do your job. And then the, 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 the call with Walker underneath the basket that sent Fred off, there's been too many of those. And I, I know Walker's physical. I know he puts his shoulder down. And he, I don't know what he's supposed to do, Elijah, because he's going up against bigger dudes most of the time. For the first time, to your point yesterday, Nebraska took on somebody that didn't, didn't have the height advantage. They didn't have towers uh, in the paint. So do you dial back your physicality if you're Walker? No. And he got busted for a couple of charge calls that I thought, all right, dude, he didn't go Superman on the guy. Was it physical? Was there a shoulder? Was there probably a little too much physicality? Yeah, but he didn't. He didn't full back the guy. Well, the, the problem lies in that this is the Big Ten Conference, a conference which the whole sticking point of basketball with the Big Ten Conference over decades has been the physicality. That you know what? The refs are going to let them play. It, it's going to be a physical conference. It's a big boys conference. If you can't hang, get out. And that's kind of been one of the things that's undone Nebraska over the past couple of years. A lot of times whenever you get those big physical basketball teams that come to Lincoln and, and take on Nebraska over the past couple of years, they've been allowed to use their physicality to come in here and dominate Nebraska. And then this year, I'm not sure what changed. I'm not sure if there's some different point of emphasis from the Big Ten. Something has flipped on its head. Decades and decades of precedence with what goes in the Big Ten has changed this season, and now they're they're calling ticky-tacky calls. I mean, there's like three times this season I've seen Wilhelm get called for going down onto the floor after a loose ball. That would never get called in no. previous Big Ten years. There's been a, a, a drastic change this season with something officiating within the Big Ten where now it looks like the rest of the conferences in that they're calling ticky-tacky things, and, and physicality doesn't fly like it used to. Is the Big Ten still a more physical conference than the other basketball conferences? Yeah, sure, but the refs seem to be cracking down on it for some reason. And uh, Last night, Nebraska, thankfully, is able to pull through, and I think it's partly because Fred Hoiberg has a team that's going to back him up this year, that whenever he gets a tech, guys like Sam Greasel and guys like Denim Dawson and guys like Emmanuel Bandemel step up and play with their hair on fire when, once their coach gets a tech, and I, I think that's a credit to Hoiberg. And he kind of said it in the, the post game. I've tried to get techs before, and uh, they haven't always given to me, so I'm, I'm glad they gave it to me last night because he has a team this year that's gonna that's gonna respond to that, and you saw the team respond. But just a, a drastic change in officiating so far, at least in, in this Big Ten slate, with what you're used to seeing in Big Ten basketball. Gotta love Bandemel last night. I mean, some key moments, some key buckets. Always gonna play defense for you. He's a guy that has people pointed to from a leadership standpoint, but you have some real character 
on this foot on, on this basketball team this year, and it, it's it's rounding out okay. These are games that Nebraska has found ways to lose on the court many, many years. Let's uh, fear, hear a little bit more from Fred Hoiberg here, uh, his thoughts on the win specifically, uh, just how big it was. And you can kind of hear it and you can see it in the video, just the uh, the emphasis put on last night. Okay, well, just first of all, I want to say how proud I am of our guys for coming out and showing a lot of resolve in that first half. Obviously, it was a rock fight out there and the ball wasn't going in the hoop on either side. But we didn't hang our heads uh, after missing. I thought some really good looks out there, and we kept guarding. And you know, I was really proud of Denham. He had a really tough assignment with Sensabaugh, who was one of the tougher covers in this league. You see that body, how strong he is, how he gets to his spot. And Denham made him work for everything that he got. He got going a little bit in the second half, but Denham defensively in that first half really kept us in the game. Um, you know, I want to talk about Oleg a little bit coming off the bench. We were getting beat up a little bit inside with Key when we went small, uh, when Derek got into, uh, into foul trouble. And I thought Oleg went in there, made a really nice take to the basket. Blaze is just not ready right now with his ankle. So he was an emergency only situation tonight, but Oleg went out and gave us uh, really good minutes. And really, everybody that stepped on the floor, uh, Kese and CJ in new roles, I thought both gave us good minutes out there. Uh, I thought Jamarcus off the bench was terrific. Wilhelm, um, you know, continues to make great plays, hustle uh, plays on both ends of the floor. And when Derek went out, I think we scored on four straight possessions, and that hasn't been a theme for this team. When Derek's been on the bench, we've really struggled uh, to score more than more than usual. But to get four straight baskets, we got a nice little rhythm in the second half. Having a 42-point half hopefully will help us uh, have confidence on that end and string together 40 minutes. But I thought we had good looks. I thought we even missed some good shots in the second half. Casey had a couple. CJ uh, had a couple that I'm confident will uh, will go down. We had really good offensive practices the last few days, and we had uh, 20 good minutes tonight. And hopefully that carries over in the next game. Now, Nebraska should have been up double digits in that game. That's That's how off... Ohio State was. That's how how they are. They're freshmen. They 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 don't turn it over a ton. When they did, it was key moments with just a simple. I'm going to dribble it off my foot or have a messy kind of mesh handoff was where they turned it over. They, I didn't think I'd see anybody miss more layups or as many layups as Nebraska, and, and Ohio State did that. They missed so many in the first half, and they still oh, led. Hoiberg called it a rock fight in the first half. Understatement. That's no. an understatement. <laughs> Calling that a rock fight's a compliment to that first no, half. No, you needed to hand out cigarettes and blindfolds <laughs> yes. as you're heading into PBA. You know it's no smoking. But listen, I, I applaud C.J. Wiltshire for being stand-up uh, with, with Fred, and they went to lunch. And let's let's try and see how I can help the team. Maybe my roles to come off the bench. He was two of eight. He hit one three. You were thinking maybe that'll get him going, but he's just been off. You hope he can snap out of it. He say four of twelve, one three, but it was a big three to kind of give Nebraska a little bit of breathing room. That was a deep three last yeah. night. Yeah, but again, his work has been 
just being a nightmare without the basketball moving around. And he's been a really, really talented finisher. Well, and Kise also a great comp- contribution late going and knocking down some free yeah, throws. Yeah, he's not missed. Yeah, uh, I mean, you missed one from CJ and it was heart and mouth time, but uh-huh. uh, but you, you got just enough and did just enough on that final defensive possession. Yeah, Bandamel 2-9, tougher night shooting, but uh, it's not... Uh, uh, if but when, and he had a couple of those big ones, and then Denim Dawson very efficient, three for four, and and he flashed that potential. Yes, you see with Denim Dawson that athleticism, that ability to get to the rim, he really flashed that last night. He's not perfect, he's not a complete package, but I think you see what the future can be for Denim Dawson after a performance like last night. We'll get some thoughts on the transfer portal and where is Nebraska at with Georgia tight end Eric Gilbert. What's the uh, prognosis there, and some thoughts on the world of college football. Uh, Has Ohio State lost their grip on the Big Ten? We'll pose some of those questions. Brandon Vogel on the way with Hale Varsity. Hale Varsity Radio is presented by Currency. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com socks. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. We'll dive into the uh, NIL and how many zeros it'll take for a quarterback. Gary Barnett will chime in on that at 5 o'clock. Brandon Vogel, managing editor, Hale Varsity Magazine, HaleVarsity.com. With us at Brandon L. Vogel in his football office. Uh, Vogue, sometimes we need the, the full picture of the football office, but the, the, the backdrop is sweet. I love it. Find Brandon on Twitter at Brandon L. Vogel. And shout out to Steve making the journey back from Geneva. Tuning this in. Appreciate you doing that, Steve. Got a chance to meet Steve at a local watering hole. I was supposed to be watching my child play basketball, but I reminded him it was pickup basketball, not high school basketball. So, <laughs> Vogues, I made the executive decision. Probably, probably a wise choice. Uh, it's always a little bit of a grab bag. If you if you go the way that you went, uh huh. He's carrying on the Schmidt tradition of being an intramural average poor favor player. Um, so there we are. Okay, Vogues, Eric Gilbert, come on down. Right, uh, let's talk about this tight end from Georgia. Started out his career at LSU and was the the number one tight end in college football. Out of high school, went to LSU, then transferred to Georgia, and. Listen, I don't think you can doubt the talent. I don't think you can doubt the measurables at 6'5", 250. Uh, just from kind of looking into some things, he he's going to have to get a waiver. It sounds like Georgia's just trying to get him uh, to a spot. I think the Nebraska uh, life skills is, is a big, big, uh, big winner here if things move forward with Eric Gilbert, but... Let's talk about the untapped potential here. He would be uh, portal get number 10 and another, you know, untapped asset slash talent from the SEC. Yeah, he a little bit tapped. All SEC freshman team yes. at, at LSU. I think he was about at 400 yards, a couple touchdowns. So, 
you know, <clears throat> which, which is good. Um, somebody who had some playing experience early in his career goes to Georgia, uh, probably like me, didn't know that Georgia was basically going to be like vintage New England Patriots in terms of the <laughs> tight end duo that they could throw out there. Um, so, you know, you, 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 we've talked about it before, like these guys that come from a Georgia and Alabama and Ohio state, uh, it's good because you know, everybody they got was pretty high up in the recruiting rankings. I do always pause a little bit with, with people who you know, weren't seeing the field a little bit, but with this one, knowing how good those tight ends were at Georgia this year, knowing, I think it was last season, you know, he, he ended up sitting out basically the whole year, I think for personal reasons is, is the way that was put. I haven't dug that deep into that, but this is one in, in tight ends, a position where you look at that room and, Nebraska, I think, would do well to to add an experienced option there or just add a, another option there because not a lot of production returning for the Huskers. So this one would be, I think, pretty high up on the list for me as I just kind of look at the Huskers roster and see, hey, what's still out there that you'd like to shore up a little bit? And, Brandon, when you look at the background with a guy like Gilbert, I mean, he's got all the talent in the world. One of those guys that – was projected as being a future top 10 pick when he came out of high school. You had an anonymous uh, SEC director of player personnel call him the highest graded player in the country regardless of position coming out of high school and flashed in his one year at LSU. But then he transfers to Florida for less than a semester. And then he's back in the transfer portal. He's off to Georgia where he's there for a semester. And now he's back in the transfer portal. And uh, one thing I noticed, I don't want to read too far into this, but I-, I noticed on his Twitter page when he posted his spring highlights, or excuse me, his fall highlights with Georgia, that it was all him going out and, and catching the ball. And with a 6'5", 250 frame, you think this is a, a guy that-, that envisions himself one way and then he shows up to different programs and they see him another way? Or is this just a case of a guy who wants to see the field and is transferring until he finds a spot that's going to put him on the field yeah probably the latter i mean i think every tight end deep down uh wants to maybe not every i'd say the majority of tight ends probably want to be pass catching tight ends let somebody else who's really passionate about it be the blocking tight end um at least that's how i would do it um but, but that's me um so you know and when you look at nebraska's roster um like I'm not worried about them finding, you know, that that second second tight end necessarily. It's kind of that first one, uh, the one who can be a threat, like Austin Allen was a year ago. Like Travis Vokalek kind of approached at times this year. I think that's the it may not even be the missing piece. We just don't know for sure, or at least I don't know for sure yet that that Nebraska has that person. So somebody who who may be a little bit more of a pass catcher than a blocker first, I think probably suits Nebraska pretty well. And it should be noted that Gilbert, for a brief time at least, was listed as a wide receiver instead of a tight end on George's roster, which is, I mean, just with that with that frame, with that body, it's it's NFL city with what he's got from a, a physical trait standpoint. Just a question of whether he can put it all together and find a, a place that's going to put him on the field. Size, speed, ability, it's really coming down to, dude, we, we might need to put you on end line or have you in the motion roll where you wham block the hell out of somebody can you do that about 15 times and we'll throw you four balls uh maybe more i mean that's that's the wrestling match good catch i didn't know he spent uh, a, a brief spell at florida i know it was lsu to georgia and that vogues that never sounds that that sounds 
great for the player, but you know how competitive those SEC schools are. Like, interconference transferring is like the thing that's always been banned and always been the roadblock for a coach to release a kid. Now you have no more say, but uh, he's on to uh, another program, and we'll see if Nebraska grabs him. I, I don't know a ton about the, the waiver process. Doesn't sound like that would be an issue. And, I mean, it, it, it's got to – you never know, I guess, with the NCAA. But to your knowledge, uh, from a waiver standpoint, um, you mentioned the off-the-field stuff. The, he, he can explain as to why he needs a chain, a change of scenery and why Nebraska would make sense to, to get him eligible. Yeah, I think so. I mean, the, the waiver pot process remains pretty opaque. It's it's something uh, my colleague Jacob Padilla and I talk about often. <clears throat> Whether that's a player leaving Nebraska, a player coming in, uh, in those instances where they've needed a waiver, uh, they almost always seem to get them. And I, I don't know how, I don't know what justification is required. I don't know what the paperwork looks like. Um, but it, it rarely seems like that, that waiver process ends up being that big of a hurdle though it's possible you never know you don't want to take it for granted but in my experience i'd say the majority of those that i've paid attention to usually end up coming through for the player vogues uh adam rittenberg putting out some predictions for 2023 we always bump into adam at at big 10 media days and i want to get your response to one of these uh predictions Deion sanders will upgrade colorado but growth could be gradual. The Buffs have a very intense early schedule. Nebraska on that schedule. TCU, their opener, SC, Oregon. So it'll be fun, but Colorado may not be ready-made yet. Uh, There's a lot of discussion about the Buffs, be it Brewster and his drill sergeant mentality or just Dion and his no-nonsense ability. As this thing's progressed from, wow, they got him, to, man, he's on TV everywhere, to the documentary series that'll be on Netflix, are you buying or selling Dion right now, early on in this process at Colorado? Uh, I'll probably cop out and say I'm holding for now. <laughs> um, when the hire was made, like, I didn't, I honestly didn't know what to make of that one, because like, you know why Colorado did it, and you know it, it came with, like, an immediate talent upgrade uh, for what was probably one of the worst P5 rosters in college football last year. So that's that's good. Um, but Dion's so, like, larger in life, and, you know, he was there at Jackson State for three years. It's hard for me to get a great grasp on, you know, what, what they actually are. Because, I mean, he came in right away and got, like, you know, G5 level talent, maybe even close to P5 level talent at a school that doesn't have that. So, you know, I don't know that much about kind of the inner workings. I have watched a couple episodes of the Amazon Prime document documentary series that's out now. Um, and that's that's made me a little bit more curious about it. Really liked the OC hire there. Ran down Colorado's schedule just the other day, just kind of like gl- glancing at it. And I was like, you know, if they do really well – this is probably five to six wins based on what we think of the teams kind of going into 2023. And, and, and I think that would be pretty good, but I also think that would qualify as a little bit gradual. Yeah. And I, man, if he's knocking on a, a bowl appearance door, 
that means they've had to write the ship and close really well based on who they're supposed to start against. Well, you think are going to have to beat some people that people aren't for- forecasting you to beat right now in the, those first five games, which with, Nebraska's with, on that list. With transfers and guys that he's bringing in that are either young, high-star kids, or some holdovers he hasn't run off, or just portal gets, that you, that you just never know. Does he go Mel Tucker? Does he go uh, Nebraska? Because Nebraska had a good portal roster last year and still went 4-8. and eight. Yeah, I think that's that's the question. I mean, I, I forget off the top of my head how many players are coming from from Jackson State. Um, there's there's more than a couple, including a couple of key ones, uh, Shadur Sanders at, at quarter a quarterback, uh, and then Travis Hunter is coming in the secondary as well. Those those are good gets. And Dylan Rogers, running back who Nebraska was after for a while, and Notre Dame ended up getting pulled him away from from the Irish. So, you know, I, I think they'll come out and they'll rip that Band-Aid off pretty quick. Like, this isn't a uh, – well, I mean, we've seen in, in some of the early talks to the returning CU players. Uh, if I had been a, a returning Colorado Buffalo, I don't know if I would have felt great about where my spot was. So, it's going to be almost a totally new team. I think they'll, he, that coaching staff will get them playing hard. And in some ways, I think opening against TCU – uh, a team that was just playing for a national title this month is it, good. Uh, the motivation for that comes comes ready made, and I would expect them to dial it up too. Even though Dion wasn't a part of that Nebraska Colorado rivalry, like I, I, I'm guessing they'll steer into that pretty hard because Huskers are coming to your house. Um, so it, it'll it'll be an interesting start. You, you look, I look at games that like Arizona, Arizona State, which is starting with a new coach again. You know, there's a good number of kind of toss up games for for Colorado on that schedule, but it's also not it's not a cakewalk by any means. You look at those first two, and plus some of the the Pac-12 draw that they got. Uh, Pac-12 is going to be pretty good in, in 2023, I think. Well, you know, Washington State's a seven win squad that pushed a lot of people. Oregon State finished in the top 10. Oregon was a, a 10-win football team. And then there's SC, UCLA. Yeah, it's it's pretty solid. Vogues will check in on Saturday with the weekend edition. Thank you much for the time today. Thanks a lot, guys. Yep. More with uh, Hale Varsity as we continue. Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price. That means that you can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. And now, and now back to Hail Varsity Radio. Thanks to Brandon Vogel, 25 minutes away, Gary Barnett with us. And then Danny Burke will join us. VEASAN Sports Network. I just saw a story on Twitter and it's a uh, from a, a, a while ago, Elijah, but how many times, and I'll ask you this, because it may hit home with some of us, you're playing in a tournament, maybe it's basketball, baseball, or 
God forbid, football, say the, the Pee Wee League football, and, and the other team's just got some monster on the other side. Either on the sideline or there's a kid that's already, you know, shack size playing eighth grade ball or he's just a freshman. You see instances of it, right? Kids that get big and strong and are much taller and, and more developed than, than, than your little guy or gal. And the story came down and was tweeted out uh, out of Dallas. Dallas Morning News reporting Skyline High School had a kid. Uh, not, thought he was a kid. Said he was a kid. Uh, that this guy was 25 years old posing as a high school student. This was not a sting operation to go in and try and go undercover to find out who's the best weed seller in high school. <laughs> this is some... Um, 21 Jump Street reference? Yes, it was. <laughs> okay, it was. This was Sydney Bovier Gilstrap Portley. Alias. That's an yes. alias. Allegedly posed as a 17-year-old Hurricane Harvey. Hurricane was a refugee so he could play boys basketball at Hillcrest High School in Dallas. And and did very well down there. Uh, yeah. And it's from a couple years ago. I'm not sure why it's popping back up on Twitter today. But, but I, it's, it's, a, it's a fun story because this guy won like player of the year in the conference. Like was was doing really well. Was the talk of the town. And then and the guy dated a 14 year old. Oh, uh, uh, no, yeah. The mother of the female said, well, yeah, that he dated my daughter while he was at Hillcrest. That's worse. That's worse than what he did on the basketball. Freaking jail time. That's gross. So the Dallas Independent School District, uh, Robin Harris, said they believe his primary motivation for using Hurricane Harvey to get enrolled was basketball. Now is according. Hey, uh, you've been shaving for a while, but can you hit a three? Let it be known. I don't care how badly you want to play basketball and relive those glories. Why would you ever want to go back to high school? No, like I enjoyed my time in high school. I would never, ever go back. Like, I don't want to show up and sit through eight classes for eight hours a day just to go play basketball at the end of the day. Dude, go to the local YMCA. Did, did he show up like Adam Sandler did in Billy Madison, where he's cranking Ario Speedwagon and driving a Trans Am? You know, I mean, just way out of date. He's got the jean jacket. He's popping the collar. Well, it's like that scene from 21 Jump Street, as you said, where they, they walk in one strap in the backpack and everyone else has got the two strap. Like, what the hell, man? Why are we one strap? And we look like losers. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, man, there, there's been some instances of, and this goes back a few years with some players coming from overseas. And playing in in nebraska and you had kids that that came and played at at some some catholic schools that were i think class c or d and these kids had their life changed they came over they had good height yeah they could find their way to the rim but their primary motivation for coming over was to get out of a really tough situation a civil war type situation and get an education and find a way to college, either scholarship or at least be in the United States to go to college. 
And every single one of those kids, this is about 10 years ago, that came over, ended up going to college. Some of them uh, played at some lower-level Division One schools or Division Two schools. Uh, a couple of them actually played in the NCAA tournament. And, and now they are either playing ball overseas, have families, or are in a major metro area with a master's degree doing great. Now, the trade-off is leaving your family coming over here. And, and a lot of, I don't know the, the exact number, but a number, at least a couple of the kids were, were deemed ineligible initially. And lawsuits ensued. And uh, eventually, the some of the kids got got to play, and the the big backlash was some of the 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 coaches were like, "No, you're you're bringing a ringer in. Don't give me this song and dance about education and life opportunity, which is what it was for." I mean, I'm close enough to the source of it that I I, I trust what I'm being told. It wasn't about wins. It was about giving a kid a chance at, at bettering his life. This is the whole other end of the spectrum. I mean, Skyline is one of those kind of legendaries, or at least they were, high school programs. I think that's where Bosworth went mm. uh, way, way, way back in the day. So, but, I mean, are we at the point right now where we need a birth certificate and an ID card for for some major programs in in different parts of the country. Well, I mean, this guy got charged with tampering with government documents. Well, so. yeah, if he's lying, I mean, if he's twenty five, so going he, on seventeen. So, I mean, he must have forged some sort of ID saying he was who he said he was, even though he wasn't. If, if that's what the charge is for. So. Well, I, what I don't have is the fallout with the, the coaching staff and <laughs> what? <laughs> Either a. <laughs> You pulled this off. Come, uh, come, be an assistant on my staff. <laughs> <laughs> or B, you've been banned and banished from basketball. Period. End of discussion. Well, uh, there's a there's a great story in uh, Sports Illustrated that I started diving into here this hour. Uh, they they kind of dove into the backstory behind this, so you can go check that out in uh, in Sports Illustrated if you Google the kid's name. But I just want to bring up a, a quick story relating to. You know, showing up on the court and seeing a dude across the way that you no no way that dude's that age because my buddy crew he's from uh, here in town was a pretty good youth basketball mm-hmm. player and uh, played at a pretty good uh, youth team uh, AAU middle right. school yeah. that that kind of traveled around the Midwest and it was pretty good and they, they were playing in a tournament down in Kansas City one summer and they they make it to the championship game and there is just a giant athletic a little bit gangly at the time mm-hmm. uh, kid uh, across the court from him. turns out it was completely legal because the kid that he was playing against ended up uh, being Michael Porter Jr. Oh, so wow. he's playing against eighth grade Michael Porter Jr. He said like oh he's gangly uh, wasn't really to be all that physical but man he could just splash three pointers all day long and it was like the same story he was like, still way better than me it's like Michael Porter Jr. at the time's like six five in eighth grade and the kids sure. are looking going like there's no way this kid is in eighth grade but it was Michael Porter Jr. no it it, it worked but no I mean it, and it, it's just Odd, yeah, and, and that's gone through our our minds with all the travel ball. Some monsters on the hill <laughs> throwing throwing eighty four. <laughs> all right, is he uh, is is his last name Almonte? Right, the old uh, forged birth certificate. They got a a little league World Series teams title ripped about twenty years ago. See, I was going to go to the movie Benchwarmers with. 
I am 12. Okay, that works too. Yeah, that works too. Crane with $20 bills. As long as it ain't Howie. I am 12. <laughs> All right, we'll wind down hour one. Hail Varsity continues. We're presented by Currency. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me, try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Some additional thoughts on Nebraska basketball's win over Ohio State. We opened with it. We'll get back there around 525. More from Fred Hoiberg as the Big Red gets it handled. Uh, you have a comment from Jeff uh, in the stream. Very proud of our men's basketball team and uh, more proud of the head coach. That's it, Fred. Get him fired up. And maybe something we can hit on at 525, but based on the way this season's going, Fred is working himself into at least another year, I think, with some of the young talent that he's got in this team. We, we've talked about Denim Dawson, Jamarcus Lawrence. There's some guys that you can build around, and I know you're going to be losing guys like Greaseland Walker, who are some of the, 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 the better contributors on this team this year, but... I think there is hope for the future with with Fred knowing with how how big an asset the transfer portal can be in college basketball. You got some young pieces to build around. If you can go get the right transfers around him, I think there's some confidence in what Fred can do over the next couple of years. And it's taken a little longer than some people think, and it's taken a little longer than I think it should have taken for Fred Hoiberg to get this thing going in the right direction. You you hoped that a season like this would be in year one or year two as opposed to now, but this program is finally moving in the right direction, and and I think there is some steam towards you know what Fred Hoiberg might be the right man for the job. Yes, that's exactly where we're going to go at 525 and also kind of dive into, you know, a real prognosis, what, what's doable the rest of the way. You've got eight weeks. You do. And I'm not expecting a bubble talk or bubble watch, but I think we all think... I mean, you're through the hardest post, part of your schedule. Postseason can maybe happen. You're through the hardest part of the schedule. I mean, I don't think bubble talk is likely. No, but, no, no, no. But but, but, but postseason talk, though. I think postseason talk is possible. Uh, not even, or I'd even go as far as to say it's likely based on how the schedule is shaping up. And you know what? If you go on a run, if some of these younger guys that I just mentioned, Denim Dawson, Jamarcus Lawrence, start stepping into these bigger roles, which they found themselves in as the year goes on, very, very realistically, I'd say, I mean, things would have to go perfectly. But bubble talk could still be in, in, in play if you, you finish the regular season out strong. I mean, you're going into a stretch of the schedule now with a lot more winnable games in the first half of the Big Ten slate. The, the second half of the Big Ten slate is much easier than the first half of the Big Ten slate. And I don't want to go as far as to say I think this team is a bubble team because I don't think it is. But if everything goes perfectly, and I say perfectly, and some guys step up and develop like you think they should, bubble talk's out, out of the realm of possibility. I'm not saying that actually getting the tournaments outside the realm of possibility. I, I do think that is probably outside the realm, but at least being on the bubble and, you know, being maybe not first four out, but next four out, if you finish the season strongly, could still be possible. They will no doubt use, and they have the, the personnel and personality to use some of these hard knocks mm. from this number one strength of schedule 
to to better themselves. What we don't know is if the offense will ever come around, be it beyond getting hot one night and having a Rutgers-type performance or having an Ohio State or a Wisconsin-type performance. We don't know uh, beyond one night. Because, yeah, you can get hot one night and drill some shots. Wonderful. But can you carry it over? Two, can they stay relatively healthy? Let's squeeze in a quick phone call. Who's with us? Chris is on the line. Chris, go ahead. Hey, guys. Great show. Yeah, we got to finish in the top four, I think, to make it to the tournament. Big Ten just... I mean, it's overrated conference of basketball anyway. You think it's overrated? You think top four? Oh, my gosh, yeah. The worst. Most overrated by far. I think, I think the, the big uh, I think the big 12 and, and pac 12 are really really good but I think you're gonna get you're you're nuts you're gonna get seven in was, maybe eight seven and while they don't flex like they used to the big tens way rougher and more tumble than most of the leagues hour two on the way. Hey, it's Schmitty. Want to tell you about a fantastic opportunity to work for a rapidly growing company that also enjoys the benefits earned with having competitive, stable history of work over 20 years? FSC. The FSC Edge, it's a leading technology innovator serving governmental agencies. Expert services helping worldwide patent offices meet strict processing and publishing timelines while delivering exceptional quality. They support some of the world's largest patent offices throughout the U.S. and Europe. That includes the European Patent Office. Office, the German Patent and Trademark Office, and the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. The only group of companies worldwide to provide such support to all three of these agencies. Working at FSC, you have a chance to work with fun people with great attitudes and learn about patents. You're not on the phone. You're not customer-facing. It's casual dress. And the work environment, it's a new environment with over $2 million in improvements. You have access to generous benefits packages, company support for health and wellness, and you do impactful work on a national scale. Make a difference. Their team's constantly growing, and they're always looking for new people to join their mission. Check out what's available today at fscedge.com. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back into it, hour two at Tail Varsity. We're presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency. We say hi to the Hall of Fame coach, Gary Barnett, with us. Coach, how's the week? You get some, some putting in? Got a little bit of everything in, Chris. A little chilly, just got to put on a jacket, but it's, uh, it's life does not, is not bad for me. So, So is there a... Is there a, a cutoff temperature for you uh, when it comes to whether or not you venture outdoors to do your daily smoking of ribs? <laughs> there's no, there's no uh, uh, temperature limit for me on the as far as getting outside. It's just the wind. Hmm. If it's cold, if it's cold, I'm okay. If it's cold and windy, and not so much. So, uh, and we've had some rain down here and been able to dodge it as far as golf games go but uh yeah, we've had a lot of rain it's going to be a great uh, great spring with a lot of a lot of uh, spring flowers so it's uh you know we've we've helped our drought situation here 
That's big. No, good for you. Coach, uh, we uh, are in the chase, we being the Nebraska, uh, not me. Uh, <laughs> I haven't been to see to see Dom uh, Riola for a long time or talked to him in a while. But I want to go there because Dylan Riola, the, the top-ranked quarterback for 2024, the, the five-star that's out there, the, uh, the world wants him to, to come play for them. And Nebraska in hot pursuit, as is SC, as is Oregon, as is Colorado. And I want to get your take on just your method. How did you identify and approach and then eventually, you know, what, what were some of those memorable quarterback chases like? Because the, the discussion point yesterday was, you know, when it comes to Nebraska's rebuild, how do you accelerate that? Well, you, you get some good players, you develop, obviously, but you also get a, you know, a, a program-changing quarterback. And, and I know you did that with uh, Sal, and I know you did that with, with Darian Hagan. So take us through that, that part of it as you're building a program or getting into a situation. Well, you know, it's a different world then, Chris. Yeah. Um, we, we didn't have um, or we didn't do all the media uh, hype that's there now, the Twitter, the you know any of the of the uh, uh, social networking, you know, m- most times a lot of guys didn't even have cell phones, so it was completely different. But but my approach was always uh, from a personal side and from a relationship side, and um, you know I wanted I wanted a young man to come. Uh, to our program because of what we had, the people we had in the program and not the buildings, but the people we had in the buildings, the, the relationships between quarterback coach and quarterback, um, uh, to some extent, head coach and, and quarterback for the most part, it was really the quarterback coach and the, and the quarterback, but it was different then. Uh, and, and so, uh, right now, I'm not sure because I'm not, you know, like like you were with the machines this morning. Uh, I'm not, I'm not sure how I would pull all that. I mean, if I'd been in it and and grown up in it and mm-hmm. did it every day, I would have an idea. But I still think that winning parents over and winning um, players over with the relationship would still be just because that's sort of me. I think that's what I would still do. However, that that took and whatever steps it it took to make it happen that way. And whether it's using social media, whether it's, you know, one of the things I really learned was handwritten notes. And we, I would send a handwritten note almost every day to, to somebody like that. And now even today, a handwritten note is pretty cool where it's so easy to just do a voice text you know, you don't you don't have to make any effort to do that. But when you sit down and write a quick note and put a stamp on it and and address it, um, to me that sends a little bit more of a special message. But again, that was 20 years ago. That I'm not sure that works today. But I would probably still do it that way to some extent. Gary Barnett with us, Sale Varsity Radio. We're talking uh, landing that uh, difference-making quarterback. The era that we're in in 2023 coach the uh, the rate 
that is out there that's been discussed is, you know, Ohio State was going to try and get $4 million to, to keep their stud quarterback. He's off to the NFL. Uh, Stroud, and I don't blame him. He's awesome. Uh, that said, you you wonder what, what the market is for an Arch Manning or what's the market for a, a quarterback that SC may land. I mean, it's out there, and I'm not knocking it. It's just the, the world we're in, but, it's man, it's weird. And is, it, is it weird for you to process that, all right, there's uh, at least part of it's up front financially for what's deemed a difference-making quarterback? But Yeah, let me go back to what we were talking about earlier, yeah. and, and it really comes down to what 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 tricks a kid, what not yeah. tricks him, but what, what makes him tick, what yeah. – what what's important to him and who's he close to? And so I think that there's a few quarterbacks out there like that or a few players. Do you really think Arch Manning needs money? No. Do you, do you, really, do you really think he needs to be the number one player? There, we're hearing about 5%, you know, 5% of the kids that are trying to get that kind of money and trying to make that kind of hoopla most of the kids aren't like that. They really aren't. And and so uh, I think I, when I look at it, that's the way I look at it. I say, look, 95, 90% of these kids are, you know, the NIL stuff is something, but it's not what – this is an important decision for them, their parents. And um, I think most parents, and I don't know about kids, but most parents realize that the NFL is a – that's a real long shot, you know. And so – you know, where is going to be the best place for my son? And I think most kids, a lot of kids, I'm going to say, uh, players feel the same way. And so, um, you know, if you want to get your hands dirty like that as a school or as a collective or whatever, go go for it. But um, I think that in the long run, the, the players you want, the teammates you want um, – aren't concerned about all that sort of stuff or as concerned as we make it out to be, or it's made out to be, I should say. Gary Barnett with us coach. Have you seen much or have you talked much about uh, Dylan Raiola? I know he's down in Arizona. That's kind of been the, the cradle of quarterbacks here in the last couple three years. There's good quarterback play down at where you're at, but I know the buffs are, are trying to get in on Raiola as well. No, I haven't paid much attention to that that uh, Chris, you know, I'm, I'm not a big five-star, four-star guy. It's, it's uh, what you do when you get there and whether you're the right fit for me. Mm-hmm. So I don't follow much of that, but let me tell you, this is a great place for quarterbacks. And you look at the number of quarterbacks that come out of Arizona. It's amazing how many of them are out there. And part of it is the weather and the fact that you can be outside most of the time. And uh, you know, I think we have good coaches down here and we have, you know, we've grown like crazy. And so uh, good seven on seven leagues and things like that. And so uh, the other thing is it's a, it's a pretty easy place to come recruit. And so it's easy to fly in and, and um, you know, drive around Phoenix and and look at kids. But um, you know, 20 years ago, it wasn't like this, but, but now the last, I'd say the last seven years, this has been a real hotbed for quarterbacks. It is. What do you like about this generation of, of quarterbacks if you've seen some of the, the high school talent or kids that aren't far removed that, that have transitioned? 
What do you think is special about uh, the 2022-2023 quarterback? Well, I, I just think they've been taught better, that they've had access to more good coaching, uh, that the various quarterback gurus that are out there, and it doesn't, you know, they all may teach something a little bit different, but um, they all basically teach uh, armed, you know, a, a good release. They teach a quick release. They teach um, a, a lot of the mechanics much better than they used to do, but they also teach them with, you know, in their heads a, little, a lot more. Mm-hmm. And if kids are willing to listen to all that, they're, they're going to be a step ahead on, of all the kids that are, that are out there that are not being taught like that. It doesn't mean you have to go to one of those, but I do think there's more and more kids doing it, and I think the guys are further along than they used to be. And uh, just the, the nature of offenses today allow the quarterback – well, they, they make the quarterback the most important player. And it didn't used to be that way, but it is now. And so these kids all realize it, and they can do a multiple of things. So I, I just think they're coached better than they used to be and more experience uh, coming up through seven-on-seven leagues and things like that. Coach, we're excited to see what, what spring looks like with Sims as a dual threat in Nebraska. And once Casey Thompson gets healthy, he's back. He's got a new NIL deal, and there's a pretty intriguing quarterback room for Nebraska. If you were uh, running things again, would you mandate, or I shouldn't say mandate, but would you would you make sure you had a um, a mobile quarterback, or would you want a dual threat, or or would you stick with kind of the the, the bigger pocket guy? You know, I. I... I think that I just want a good quarterback. Don't, Hopefully don't he can <laughs> you do it all right. <laughs> he can make it, he can escape and make turn a bad situation into something good. I don't think I'd hold myself to that, but I you have to have a quarterback run these days. Yeah. And uh the the, the advantage of a quarterback run is that you have an you have another blocker. Mm-hmm. And so I think on third third downs and red zone offenses, you have to have a quarterback that can run the football. And so, you know, does that mean he has to be real mobile? No, but he's got to be. He's got to be adept at running, making guys miss. You know, forward lean, getting the extra yard. But that's the best way right now in short yardage and goal line, uh, red zone offense to be productive is to have the threat of the quarterback. So that would be paramount to me as somebody who could do those things. Coach, what uh, do you think of the reaction to, to Coach Tim Brewster online here the last uh, 48 hours or so? There's video of his uh, meeting. It, it was a little drill sergeant-esque with him up-downing, up-downing uh, in, uh, in the meeting room. There's been some uh, college and NFL guys weigh in on, on that uh, style. Uh, you've had players come to Brewster's defense. Uh, have you seen much of this? I watched it. Uh, in fact, I watched it this morning. Somebody sent it to me, and uh, you, you know, with it came the line, "Man, is this guy a motivator? He's only sixty-two, but look at his energy. Come on, <laughs> so, I don't. You know, give me a break. You, you 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 do it your way, whatever it is. And but guys either buy into it or they don't. Mm-hmm. To me, you, you know, and I know Tim, and I love Tim, but. You know, I have no interest in having my tight end coach come in and do that. So, just different way of doing it. So, you know, I, these these you know we're, we're 
I don't want to go any further than that. That's enough. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're pumping the brakes on on on, on absolutely uh, going into a different area code. I I get it, but well, and I've asked you as far as you know your treatment of of players and how you connected, and you've always just wanted to treat them like an adult, right? I mean, let's just connect and communicate, and you do your job, and I'll coach you up. Well, yeah, and, and I'm not saying that's not his actions weren't treating those guys as adults. I'm not saying that, but right. I mean, if if you're in, uh, you know, if you're in a Navy SEAL team, those are adults you're dealing with, and you're doing you're doing stuff like that. Right. So, uh, I think you have to look at it that way. It's an elite force, and you know that you've got to have intense discipline. And like he said, it's a it's got to be 60 minutes of war and, and a fight of hell, as he described it. So. Um, I get all that, and and I do think that has to come across and has to be taught. So it's however your way of getting it done is the best way. It's your way. So uh, that's his way, and you know, I hope it works. <laughs> Gary Barnett with his coach. We'll leave you with uh, some some uh, NFL this weekend. Are are you going to tune in? Do you transition just for the sake of football, or do you get into the NFL playoffs? You know, I'm probably a week away from really getting into it. I watched a couple games last week, uh, but uh, and I'll probably catch a couple of these. But uh, I'm 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 more of an NFL playoff season kind of guy, mm-hmm. mostly because my time gets taken up with college the other times. But but yeah, I'll tune in, and I appreciate great play. I mean, uh, you know, last week that Ravens game. You know, yeah. with the quarterback trying to go up and over and getting batted down in '96. I mean, that was great. That was great drama. It was great fun. So I appreciate great athletes and and great efforts. Largest comeback that that you've pulled off as a coach. You look at Jacksonville and what they did. They were down 27 rip. They won 31 30. Yeah, um, actually, I think it was two. One is I was, we were down 27 to six against Illinois in the fourth quarter. <clears throat> For sure, I was there at Northwestern, and then I think we were down twenty-six to seven against Nebraska my first year in '99, and we came back and had a chance to win it, missed the field goal, went to overtime. That was that was those were pretty good comebacks. Coach, enjoy your weekend. Thanks for a few minutes. All right, Chris, great being with you. Good stuff from Gary Barnett. We were up against it to get his take on Eric Gilbert, but Eric Gilbert is in. More thoughts on the talented tight end from Georgia when we come back on Hale Varsity. Like what you hear? High-quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at Hale Varsity. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor. I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to hailvarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's hailvarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. Chime in 402-466-ESPN or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me, try me. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. We're going to do a bit of an audible on our Nebraska basketball discussion. We'll shelve that for tomorrow, but again, kudos to Fred and company for the win. 
and uh, big next two games ahead for Nebraska basketball. We'll stick with football. Numbers to get in at 466-377-6800-825-5865. And uh, we've got Jake and Brett and Brian uh, checking in on the stream. Appreciate seeing them. Yes, Eric Gilbert is in. That news coming down about 30 minutes ago. We were talking quarterbacks and NIL money and uh, Coach Brewster (laughs) with Gary Barnett. But Nebraska, Elijah able to land another quasi-four, borderline five-star talent. Now Gilbert, five-star talent, top tight end in the country in 2020, uh, about 400 yards, couple of touchdowns for LSU that COVID year where he was limited to just eight games. But 6'5", 250, a beast, can flex out and uh, is is in. Now, when he visited Nebraska last weekend, mother, brother, sister came with. I think as much as Matt Rule played a part, and he absolutely did with the connection and positivity, it's also Nebraska life skills that I think is the winner here to highlight with Uh, a guy like Eric Gilbert. He's a guy, if you look at some of the quotes from Kirby Smart, you touched on in hour one when we talked about this with Vogel, it's getting him right on and off the field. Well, you have a dude that wants to go beat up on safeties and linebackers trying to cover him. Uh, What's your attention and dedication like in the classroom? Raising both hands. I was a jackass both freshman years, right? I mean, I was not what I needed to be academically because I had a lot of fun on the weekend. Okay. Listen, that's just me. Uh, I'm not a a five-star tight end clearly. And this is going to be, this could be a really good thing beyond the obvious of of, of a matchup nightmare. This could be a really good success story for a kid that wants to get a college degree and, and also, here's notice, right? Nebraska, you've got a roster full of guys that are staying or going, but here's what Matt Rule's brought in. Uh, Sherman, four- to five-star outside backer, SEC Georgia. Borders, Florida, four- to five-star dude, edge guy, Florida. Uh, you have Collier, the five-star safety, Florida, transfer. Eric Gilbert, five-star, tight end, transfer. Elijah Judy, defensive lineman, four-star, A&M. This this is the, the the talent infusion he's getting. Can he can he turn that talent loose with buy-in? You know they can play for whatever reason, depth, attitude, adjustment. Uh, as far as going from high school to college, that big fish, high profile dude. A lot of these guys uh, they have the ability. Could this coaching staff? get that ability to show on and off the field because it didn't work at their last stops. A&M, Florida, and uh, Georgia beat out the who's who of college football for all these transfers I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And you know they can play. You, you, guys that have coached for decades and have put guys into the first round or the third round or better or worse have seen this talent. Jumps off the screen. It's the obvious, yeah, we want that guy. Well, can you get the kid to play? And that's what I'm anxious to see, spring ball and beyond Elijah. Can Nebraska turn that talent loose and get him to buy in and perform? And and Eric Gilbert's a guy that has all the talent in the world. And when you talk matchup nightmare, 
Nebraska has two of those guys, and we'll see what Fedoni looks like coming back sure. off some, some knee injuries. But both those guys are guys that are too fast for linebackers and way too big for the secondary, and their route running is on par with a lot of great receivers. And Nebraska has two guys in that right now, and you could make an argument based on potential that Nebraska has arguably the best tight end room in the country. They have back-to-back 2020 and 2021's top tight end in the recruiting class, and both of those guys have just all the wealth of talent. It's a question of can they put it together. With Fedoni, it's been an issue with injuries. Um, those have been well-documented during his time. With Gilbert, it's been some some uh, tumultuous times off the field, it sounds like, where he starts out at LSU. He's a freshman All-American. was a matchup nightmare for that LSU team uh, going over the middle, out routes, RPO. I mean, name it, he did That's it for just LSU. It. Think about, think about the, the RPO element of what Rule can and will do with the play fake. You think it's a run. Linebacker bites. 6'5", 250s, giving piggyback rides to the end zone. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that, that's what Gilbert is. He's <laughs> like You can go watch him as a true freshman. Hasn't even really put on that and much muscle He got on the field, mass. for the love of God, as a true freshman coming off a national championship team. Yes, and then uh, enters his name into the transfer portal, goes off to Florida where he doesn't make it a semester. And we got some inklings from Kirby Smart that there may have been some off-the-field um, We're not saying issues. like sinister dealings. It's, it's as simple as... What was the policy like at LSU making sure kids got to class? Yeah, and, and then you go, you go to Florida, and then off-the-field issues led him back closer to home to Georgia. Mm-hmm. It sounds like there was uh, an element of wanting to be back home closer to family following uh, a little over half a semester at Florida. So he comes back in, and he goes to Georgia where he's stuck in uh, arguably the most tight end, the talented tight end room in the country, and it sounds like some off-the-field issues, again, held him off the practice field. He's in a car crash this season at Georgia. Um, various issues. He had two great tight ends in Washington, Bowers ahead of him, and the the, the goal, it sounds like, for Georgia was to pair up Bowers and, and Gilbert next season uh, to be your, your two-headed monster. Just to wear you out some more. But Gilbert decides, you know what, it's, it's time for a new stop for me. I want some playing time. I don't want to be stuck behind a guy like Brock Bowers. So now he comes to Nebraska, and if he can put it all together, if he can take those – uh, off the field, and we don't even know what the, the, the real off the field issues are, but it does sound like it was an issue that wanted to lead him closer to family, so read in between the lines there as you will. But decides now, enters his name into the transfer portal, and he comes to Nebraska where the two-headed monster of Fedoni and Gilbert has all the potential of the world of being not only the, the best tight end duo in the Big Ten, but potentially the, the best tight end duo in the country if these guys are what we thought they were coming out of high school. And, and based on what we saw with Gilbert at LSU, I, I think he's got the talent to be first, second round guy. Sure. In the NFL. He, he's got that kind of talent. Can he put it together? With Fedoni, it's a question of can he get back to who he was before the knee injuries? If that's the case, he's another draft pick guy. A guy who's going to go play for years in the NFL. Nebraska has two of those guys, and, and the options that this gives Nebraska's offense are endless, especially when I look at the RPO game. That tight end, you're not sure as a linebacker. Is he coming to block me, or is he going for that seam route right up the middle of the field? Uh is this tight end going to the flat to run a route? Is he trying to run me off here so we can get a numbers advantage in the box and run it up the middle? The, 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 the options it presents your offense are endless. The real question is just can these guys put it together and can all that potential come together in the Husker football program and lead to a finished product? Well, and, and then you factor in either Casey Thompson, who's been really accurate, at least what we've seen in Lincoln with the deep ball, and then you have the, the dual, th- dual threat quarterback in Sims where you're going to be zone reading anyway and you're trying to get the, the back seven to bite with that RPO with a mobile quarterback. Uh, time will tell who wins that job. But getting a Gilbert is no small feat. I mean, G- Gilbert's a guy that when you look at his speed, you look at his frame, you look at how he runs routes, a guy that is almost always open, especially when you combine that with his catch radius. There's 
very he's not few guys. There's, there's a very few guys in college football that are going to be able to to keep Eric Gilbert in their back pocket all game long. Can they have good reps against him? Yes, I'm sure. But when you combine the catch radius with the speed, with the route running, with the elusiveness once he has the ball in his hands, the power. He gets close to, to uncoverable. But, can you, but it, can it, you it's, stop it's, it's him? Not on, a, it's not a question of his physical talent. That's can not you the stop question. him on third and eight, and can you stop him in the red zone? And and if he's right, the answer has been no at an early age, and what he showed in in clearly a spring game, but against other top tier talent, he has performed and produced when he's been right. This quote is from on three with Gilbert about Nebraska. Quote, Nebraska was more focused on me coming in and having a support staff around me. They made it clear I would be supported. Mm. So is there going to be folks there to to help him make the best decisions he can make academically? Is there going to be people around him to help keep him motivated? He's got to do it himself, but it never hurts to have support and help to make sure you, you stay on the straight and narrow with decision making uh, do, do you want to come in and, and practice hard and go hard Monday through Thursday are you going to get to class are you going to study are you going to do study I mean whatever the case again we're projecting and speculating a little bit and I don't do that to be rude I just do it to you know there's there's a hundred cases of guys that just don't meet the the demands off the field and it's not because they're not capable academically it's just a, a situation of they they just never jacked with it in high school or they just got by in high school perhaps college is a whole different thing and there's a there's a culture you're going to set and i i applaud nebraska for going out and getting another need they have tight ends they have good young tight ends. They have an injured tight end that wants to get back to your point about Fedoni, and you're not afraid to go bring in what was the best in 2020 coming out of high school. Now, what's left on the shopping list is probably an offensive tackle and maybe another defensive lineman. Mm-hmm. I would I would think uh, by the time you're done with spring football, having great pass catching options is great unless you can't protect your quarterback. Sure. So that that is something to note here, but with with, with these two tight ends, Fidoni and Gilbert, or you just maybe it, commit to a run game so you can sting them with the tight end fair and enough. play action. Fair I, enough, just, just a thought. Fair enough. I mean, that's that's, that's a great thought, and that's why I'm <laughs> saying like how much this opens up your offense having these two guys. It's incredible, and I look at Gilbert. It's one of those conversations where you go best physical talent Nebraska's had since dot 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 and, and obviously there's a lot probably of probably Randy Gregory but yeah that's kind of where I was going as well just in terms of what this guy is physically the, the issue is not and, him on and the what and what kept Randy from being at an in Ohio and he ended up at Nebraska but but what, what, what a guy like Randy Gregory who was gifted like academically gifted when you look at test scores and the guy learned how to speak, I think, Italian, played the violin. I mean, Randy Gregory is, like, brilliant academically. The, the, the kid didn't have a lot of need for going to class in high school when it came to missing class or, or tardies. Mm-hmm. So he graduates, but he ends up at, at JUCO. <laughs> I mean, Matt, you know, a guy that's gifted, that's like Elijah Herbal smart, because you're an academic stud. Yeah, I was. Okay, that's all right. Be proud of that. I was. I ain't. You're carrying the weight here. 
they get bored with it, but you still got to go. But Nebraska getting a tight end like Gilbert, obviously, major get, big addition to the offense. Now, the true test starts. You come in, you do your school, you get acclimated to the room, you know the offense, and then you grind through if there's some ups and downs. And that support staff, the coaching staff, the peers, and Gilbert himself need to make sure that happens. Best bets on the way with Daddy Burke. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, Hale Varsity, presented by Currency. And time for best bets with Daddy Burke. Vicent Sports Network from the wild weekend to the wild card to the divisional round. The final four daddy set for the NFL. How are you? Jimmy, I'm doing good, my man. It was uh, quite the hectic wild card weekend, but we made it through. Uh, ended up uh, 3-0 with our picks. Uh, back-to-back 3-0 weeks. You know, it's been a hockey NFL season, but uh, we're hoping to keep it going this upcoming weekend, my friend. You absolutely took Jacksonville in the money line in the second half, so what island are you on? <laughs> You know, I didn't, and the reason I didn't is because selfishly, I'm kind of like a pseudo Chargers fan, more so like in the sense of rooting for Justin Herbert. I took the over in that game, so that came through at 46 in the hook. But like, I secretly wanted the Chargers to win because again, I like Herbert, and I think the Chargers and Chiefs would have been a better matchup because they fare well against each other, or they match up well in an exciting way against each other. As for Jacksonville, I don't know if they're going to be able to replicate any of that magic, Schmitty. Well, Denny, I tell you, what, if you would have picked Jacksonville and you, that would have been part of your your back to back three in a weeks, I would have just disregarded everything you said this week because the law averages. There's no way some guy can stay that hot for that long. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough, fellas. I get it. It is a uh, volatile market in the postseason. That is for sure. So uh, hopefully, we can keep up the steady stream though this week. Did Brett Maher help you stay under the number? You know, it's so it's funny. I did, and I tweeted about this. I did this nonsense. Well, it wasn't really nonsensical, but, like, I'm not someone who really does parlays. Like, if I do, it's either just because, you know, for fun and or it's, like, two favorites and it's actually a serious play. But, like, this one was a complete just throw it out there from the national championship game because I had some bets I liked. They were a little bit too chalky. So I said, all right, well, let me start with a parlay and just, you know, pretty much bet a certain amount to make it a whole number on my account. And it was, for like a nine-leg parlay, it was a fairly sizable amount put on it in terms of the payout, too. So it came down to that first half under 22 in the hook on Monday. And it did help, but what I did is I hedged a little bit. So what I did is I middled, or I was trying to get a middle. I did first half over 20 and a half. It's a slight, slight hedge and then was still sweating out under 22 in the hook. So I'm happy. I'm like, oh, awesome. Maher's missing these extra points. It's 12 nothing. Now we just need a touchdown and a field goal. Well, that doesn't happen to get the touchdown. And then I'm looking at it. I'm like, well, now I just needed Maher to hit all those three extra points that I would have got the middle. But uh, we still got there. We hit our standalone bet with the first half under and hit that wonky parlay. But uh, it, it didn't hurt, to say the least, I suppose. Danny, let's look to this weekend and – Jacksonville and Kansas City. Let's start there. Eight and a half, too rich for your blood? Yeah, it is a little bit too rich because the Chiefs have not been covering numbers at all this season. Now, you know, I talked about Jacksonville, and he could be a letdown spot for him, and I, and I do truly believe that. And not that it's going to be 
replicable exactly of this, but if you recall what happened after the Minneapolis miracle the next week, the Vikings got stopped by the Eagles, I believe it was, because, well, the emotions were so high, and you kind of came back down to reality, and you're just happy to be there. I think that kind of applies with Jackson, though. You have an inexperienced postseason team. Yes, a great coach in Doug Peterson, but also a defense that ranked 30th against the pass heading into the postseason. Justin Herbert and company were able to expose it. Their defense looked good because Trevor Lawrence was having issues in the first half. Here's the deal. Patrick Mahomes and their offense are not going to let up, and they're going to continue to take advantage of those opportunities. They have developed sort of a run game, unlike the Chargers, and they won't abandon it if it comes down to it. Now, Kansas City's defense is not great, so there may, there may be points in this game where you get a little worrisome because this Jacksonville offense looks good. But, again, Lawrence may make a mistake. Uh, the home field advantage, the pedigree, the experience of Kansas City will come through. So you can either wait for an in-game number if you think they may keep it close. But what I think the better option is is to tease down Kansas City, which is the obvious play for a lot of people. But you have them at eight in the hook. You cross them through the key numbers of seven and three. And then you got Kansas City minus two in the hook. And then all of a sudden you need them to win by a field goal, which they should be more than capable of doing, as considering they're already at eight-and-a-half-point favorite moving up to nine. And it's just they're a better team than Jacksonville. Uh, the team that I paired them with, guys, is on that Saturday card as well. Same kind of similar option thought process. Philadelphia from minus seven in the hook down to minus one in the hook. You cross seven, you cross three. Yes, it's a familiar opponent with these division rivals. Yes, Jalen Hurts was a little bit banged up, but the bye week should benefit him. And don't freak out about what happened in week 18. That was such a strange game in the first place. Minnesota, or pardon me, uh, the Giants, not that they're a team that's happy to be here. Look, Dable is a fantastic head coach, arguably one of the best throughout the remaining teams. will probably win coach of the year. The difference here is Minnesota's defense and Philly's defense, it's night and day. Like, you knew Minnesota's defense was going to be an issue all year, and my goodness, it was horrible against this Giants team. Daniel Jones has had two of his best games in his career against Minnesota. They're, make, they're going to get this guy a contract. And Philly has one of the best pass defenses against a run that is their weakness. So Saquon may be able to get something established, but you can't fully rely on that the entirety of the game. I just think Philly's too far outmatched. They'll be ready to go, and they should be able to cover that teaser leg as well. So uh, that's the second part of my teaser, teasing down Philly, teasing down Kansas City. Danny, with those two Saturday games, are you looking at rest versus rust with the two one seeds, Philly and Kansas City? And we got to go quickly here so we can get to Sunday, but is that something you're factoring in with these bets? Not necessarily, I guess. And you could apply it a little bit for sure. You know, in the first half, if you want to look for an angle, maybe you carry some of that momentum into the first half and you're playing with house money if you're looking like a team like Jacksonville, for example. But for the Giants, it's a different situation because they did rest their starters in Week 18. It was a tough game that came right down to the end against Minnesota. But again, this is a familiar opponent and probably one they absolutely think they can beat. So, um, you know, with the Eagles, I think the rest will really benefit them because of their injuries. With Kansas City, yeah, maybe that can apply to them a little bit more. Perhaps they're complacent. But, you know, knowing the homes and Andy Reid and company, I, I wouldn't expect that to be a constant case throughout the four quarters. The first game on Sunday is the Bengals heading out to Buffalo and taking on the Bills, where the Bills are at a five-and-a-half-point favorite. What do you like here? Man, this game's got me all over the place because as better as you don't want to fall into recency bias, but how can you not with these two teams? 
And I've had Cincinnati power rated as my top AFC team for over a month at this point. And you would think with Ben catching as high as six, that would absolutely be a go at it. And maybe it is, but look, the market's moving toward Buffalo, and that does give me some trepidation. The fact that the Bills have been outgained in yards in several of these games, especially last week, does give me a little bit of a scare. They got lucky with that defensive play, or otherwise they probably would have ended up losing. Now, this team did overcome a lot in an underdog world last year when they had their Super Bowl run, and the difference is I believe too many times is that they actually have a defense. So I do think they'll make Josh Allen make mistakes. I mean, if the Dalton's in their mediocre defense can do it several times, why couldn't the Cincinnati Bengals? I mean, this Bills team just has this looming issue that nobody can really put a finger on because it kind of comes from all different areas. It's like, why did you let the Dolphins and Skyler Thompson come back when they were down 17 nothing? Why is Josh Allen forcing these throws? Why are they always trying to get a huge play when they could just dominate you with short slants and screens and hitches and all these things? I don't know. They do a lot of things wrong when they could dominate the ways of doing things right. So I think at six, it's too much, and I would take the points with Cincy. But what I'm going to end up doing is wait for an in-game number because I want to see if the market is right. I want to see if Buffalo does get out to an early lead, and if they do, I'm sure the in-game number will get adjusted fairly sizably considering they're already almost a touchdown favorite. So then I'll look to get a better number with Cincy going, okay, well, they're already deemed as a pretty sizable favorite. Let me take advantage of a better number in a game where I already like them. So that's probably going to be my strategy with the Bengals. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Back into it, winding down a Thursday with Hail Varsity, presented by Currency More with Danny Burke, Beeson Sports Network. Catch him weekends. And, of course, uh, find Danny on Twitter at DannyBurke5. Danny, let's look. Dallas and Fran, what happens? Man, you know, again, recency bias. I think people are going to fall in love with Dallas because he dismantled, a, let's put it, <laughs> frankly, I mean, a crap team in Tampa Bay. Tom Brady was awful. Todd Bull should not be a head coach. Byron Leftwich has lost him to his mojo, and they have no run game. But now you have one of the best coaches in the NFL in Kyle Shanahan. And it did look like Brock Purdy was a little shook in the first half. You know, maybe some of those playoff jitters as a rookie. Him and Debo Samuel didn't have their connection because Debo was out for a lot of the time. But they flipped the switch in the second half. I think if you can get that start from Purdy right away and just have normal Purdy, San Francisco is a completely different level or on a different level than Dallas. Like, Dak isn't going to look perfect in this game. This defense is going to put on pressure, and they're going to force him to make mistakes. Again, I I might wait in-game and look for a better number on San Fran. I don't like laying three in the hook. I don't like laying four. I wouldn't hate the idea of laying more expensive on a money line price because I do think they win. Also, if the total gets to 47, I might look to bet the under. I mean, you have two top defenses in terms of DVOA, and the Cowboys' run defense is incredible, and who knows what they're going to make Purdy not or, or do or do not do. Like, you know, it doesn't really make sense. But you get what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So I think it could be a lower score in between those two squads, but I do give the slight nod to San Francisco with a big coaching and just overall team advantage. Danny Burke with his Vizen Sports Network, Burke's Best Bets, at Danny Burke 5 on Twitter. Danny, thanks for the time. Hey, you bet, fellas. Enjoy the weekend. Big thanks to Danny Burke for joining us here on a Thursday edition of Hale Varsity Radio. He got you geared up 
for the NFL playoff divisional round coming your way this weekend as uh, some good games that I'll be tuning into. And uh, I'm sure Schmitty and I will have a stake in a beer bet on divisional weekend as well. That's coming your way on the show tomorrow before we uh, we wrap up that Friday edition. We'll get a stake in a beer bet in Elijah on a one-game winning streak as uh, I took the Cowboys on Monday night. We'll see what Schmitty thinks about this week. And I've been feeling pretty good about my uh, my NFL stake in a beer bet pick. So uh, that's coming your way tomorrow. Today on the show, we had Brandon Vogel back in hour one as uh, we spent some time with Vogel talking to Eric Gilbert ahead of his commitment to Nebraska. We also got some Husker basketball thoughts back in hour one as uh, Nebraska taking down Ohio State. We'll talk about that a little bit more tomorrow. Gary Barnett let off hour two and then uh, Schmitty and I gave our takes on what the addition of Eric Gilbert means for Nebraska. If you missed any of the show today, you can catch it wherever you get podcasts. That's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Google Play. You can also check out the Hail Varsity YouTube page where uh, I'll be getting up today's full show shortly following the show. And uh, we'll get those audio uh, issues ironed out. As I know some people uh, watching along in the live stream says it's not up to the, uh, the radio quality. Uh, you can get the radio quality via the Hail Varsity YouTube page. That's going to be up uh, shortly following the show. Tomorrow on the show, we're going to have Bill Dolman joining us. The Pride of Fairbury checks in for the second time this week. He sat down uh, for the entire show with Schmidt yesterday, and he's back in on a Friday. Also going to talk with Jacob Bedell, get some Husker basketball thoughts from him, as well as some Husker volleyball thoughts as uh, Whitney Lonstein announcing this week that she is stepping away from the Husker volleyball program. We'll get Jacob's take on that. That's all coming your way on a Friday edition of Hale Varsity Radio. Schmitty packing up a few minutes early today, uh, but he'll be back with us tomorrow as we'll be with you at 4 to 6. It's Hale Varsity Radio. That's when we'll talk to you again. A Huda Media Production.